swing and a line drive left field. Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. For baseball fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the planet each week, according to PodTrack.com. The Red Sox just wrapped up a two-game set against the Philadelphia Phillies, splitting the series one-to-one and mercifully ending that nine-game losing streak. They are currently still in last place in the American League East. The Yankees and the Rays are slugging it out right now. News out of Fenway. Red Sox have claimed right-handed pitcher Andrew Triggs off waiver claims from the San Francisco Giants and have immediately optioned him to Pawtucket. Triggs has a 2020 ERA of 81.00. No, that's not sarcasm. That really is his ERA. And the corresponding move, the Red Sox have designated Steven Gonsalves for assignment because apparently he's worse. News from around the league, Reds pitcher and soon-to-be free agent Trevor Bauer intended to wear shoes that said, Free Joe Kelly on them. MLB officials informed Bauer he would be removed from the game and further disciplined if he did, in fact, wear them. Rich Hill has been activated by the Twins off the injured list. Power-hitting Astros DH Jordan Alvarez will miss the remainder of the 2020 season with a partially torn patella tendon. Once again, I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine, and I am joined tonight from Saugus, Massachusetts, Al Nahigian. Al, how are you? I'm well. It's been a good day for Boston sports. The Bruins won, clinched their series. Celtics are up 2-0 on the 76ers, and uh, am I missing something? No, nah, that's it. I think that's it. Oh, wait, wait, no. The Red Sox actually won a game today, so that was kind of cool. Yes. They indeed finally won with uh, uh, Kyle Hart starting, who basically got murdered his last time out. I think that was in the Yankee series, but um, but he did kind of keep that power hitting Phillies lineup at bay. So there's that. Yeah, he got he, he got shit on. Just say call it like it is. He got <laughs> shit on. Also joining us tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? Doing good. Just got done watching a little taco time and a blowout of the 76ers, so everything's right in the world right now for me. 
Good to hear. I'm kind of a fair weather fan on everything outside of Red Sox, but I do enjoy listening to the playoffs uh, coverage, uh, especially on talk radio with these teams. So uh, I'm glad that they're weathering the storm, especially the Bruins not having Tuca and uh, into the second round for them. So glad to hear it. Uh, Getting right down to business, studs and duds, Formerly known as Heroes and Zeros. Not how much sure how much longer I'll continue to say that. But, um, Al, you are in the leadoff position. And I, I'm too fat, so I'm never going to lead off. Um, but go ahead with your stud for this two-game Phillies series. So, as many of you have listened to me on this particular podcast, you know I'm a fan of pitching, so I'm going to stick with the pitching theme again. For my stud, it's going to be Matt Barnes. He came in today, threw one two-thirds innings, had three strikeouts and one walk, and didn't give up any runs. And that's the Matt Barnes that we've come to know and love, a guy that gets strikeouts and keeps the Red Sox in games and bridges the way to the closure, in this case, Brandon Workman. So, good job, Matt Barnes. You earned the the stud uh, call from me this week. First time uh, a stud in 2020, so hopefully that continues to keep happening. Andrew, your thoughts on Matt Barnes? Yeah, he looked good. Um, Really looked like he was pitching with some confidence out there today, so always good to see a reliever really trust his stuff, especially, you know, when we do need a win. So, you know, good to see him fire a couple. I think he had three strikeouts today in an inning and two-thirds, so... Hey, boost that trade value, Matt Barnes. Good for you. It's certainly nice to see. I like Barnes. I I like him in a situational role, you know, much like I kind of like Joe Kelly and Heath Hembree. If you anoint him the eighth inning guy, it might go well for a little while, but then kind of goes off the cliff. So I, I do like him in this role, kind of moved around, used a little sparingly, and it's certainly nice to see him, you know, have a, have a solid outing. And I'm wondering if maybe he'll be pitching for another team coming up. And and he, I mean, if he has a good next few games, I can't see why not. Um, And to kind of piggyback on that workman looked really good coming in after him today. So that's a, that's a good bright spot for him. If you're anybody and anybody and play for the Boston Red Sox, you might be traded coming up according to high and bloom. So, (laughs) Yeah, he did kind of yeah, double get the down suitcase on that. Back. <laughs> yeah, good analogy. Uh, yeah. So, all right, uh, let's go with Andrew for your stud for the series. All right, so I went with uh, Verdugo. He's just electric. He only, I think, he only went batted two fifty for the series, but he was on base a bunch. He scored four runs, which is huge, and played some really good defense out there, and he's there's just a different electricity when he's out there. He was stoked coming into the game yesterday. Obviously that didn't go great, but you know, he just brings it every game. It's good to see. It's refreshing to see. And fans are going to absolutely love him when they can get back into the seats next season. Yeah. Verdugo. He's an electric kind of player. Like Andrew said, like we know the sketchy past and everything, but at some point, you have to be like, okay, we're judging him on his baseball right now in this particular instance. And in this instance, he's playing well and he's bringing energy to a team that frankly kind of needs it. And especially afterwards where he was celebrating the win like it was a playoff win. It was kind of <laughs> funny. I'm not even going to lie. 
Did you guys see his cleats too the other day? I think I did. I forget. What did they have on him? He had. Uh, they were big poppy cleats. Oh yeah, because he loved Ortiz when he was younger. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I mean, that. Yep. if you want to win a fan base over and make them forget about Mookie Betts, that's that's how you're going to do it. I read a tweet from Buster only yesterday, and he basically said he was hearing from people in the Yankees organization that were really impressed with Altuve's performance at the plate, his ability to throw a laser beam into second base, which he did, and and got an out. I forget who the base runner was trying to leg out that double. It might have been Glaber. I'm not sure. Um, And they like his energy, and... I love everything. Like that's what you want from a from someone who plays in Boston, someone who can handle playing here, and someone who loves it. And I just, I, he's a hard guy to not like. And maybe some people again might be bitter about the Mookie trade and how he was the centerpiece, but I like what I'm seeing. And you know, there's there's a reason why he's almost constantly listed as a stud show after show this is probably his third or fourth time being listed as a stud so i I'm, i mean the yankees have to be jealous that you know the red sox have the best outfield they're wearing 99 in the al east <laughs> I, I can't imagine what it'd be like not to have them on your team you know yeah and judge can't stay healthy <laughs> and it's funny to hear yankees fans you know, defending Judge and trying to pretend that he is a durable guy when he's really not. He did get hit in the wrist a couple of years ago. That's kind of fluky and, you know, not like a soft tissue injury. So I'll give them that. But he does seem to get dinged up. I mean, he's had an oblique issue already. He's He had the rib thing, which was caused by an aggressive dive for a ball. And I... I count that as wear and tear because those are plays he needs to make. And if he's going to get dinged up making those plays and, and then of course the calf uh, muscle. So he was a little defiant about being on the DL. And I I think that's what riled up the fans, but he is not going to be a healthy ball player in his thirties. And it's not like he's, you know, doing Byron Buxton crap out in the outfield, you know, where you're like, oh, my God, I think he just killed himself, like, making that catch. So he's just getting hurt in, like, the most ticky-tack ways. And you're like, Jesus Christ, again, man? So it's, you know, it'd be one thing if you saw the injury happen, like, going full Aaron Rowan into the center field wall face first or something like that. But not just coming up lame every other week. Can't help but love the guy. You have to love him, especially if he's going to give you all-out effort every night and that enthusiasm. He he is a gamer, unlike Stanton. I I think Stanton is the fastest player in the major leagues to pull the plug and, and not play. We saw him do it in the playoffs last year. And Judge last year was in the playoffs with that broken rib, so or fractured rib, whatever it was. and Because that happened like the third week of September and he was still hitting home runs in the, in the postseason. I think in the final game he hit like a go ahead run or a game tying home run that, that Springer just couldn't catch at the wall. And, and it went, you know, into the right field bleachers and, you know, so he is a gamer. I'll give him that, but I'm going to, I am going to laugh extremely hard when they sign him to that unsustainable. That's what I was going to ask you. Seven or eight. I was going to say, if you put them on a lie detector test, this is Yankee fans, do you think they would be happy if they signed him to a 10-year, let's just be conservative, 
$260 million deal. I, I'd say no, right? I think they're dumb enough to celebrate that and think it's good. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? I, I It's hard for me to give Yankees fans any credit. So, I mean... I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I forget who the tweet was. It was a national beat writer. I never remember who the tweet was. But one of them was suggesting let Judge just play out his arbitration, don't sign him, and instead load up a, a huge deal for Francisco Lindor. And I think yep. that would, would probably be better. He's He doesn't quite have the postseason heroics that Judge has, but – but a very solid player and a guy who, other than I think one hamstring issue, has been very durable. And he's a stud in the field. Yeah, you got to treat Aaron Judge like a first-round running back. You get five years out of him, and then you, you know, you thank him for his service and kick him to the curb. Wait, I, you know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out, Andrew. Terry, what, what podcast is this? What team do we talk about? <laughs> The Red Sox, but uh, we, we talk about uh, the Red Sox. Uh, okay, so so why are we talking about the Yankees potentially getting another All Star? Why? What, do you, you know, guys you really me? Well, I just think it makes more sense. I don't know necessarily. I don't care if, if it makes sense. You don't want it to happen. I don't. I mean, I'm not trying to talk it into an existence here. But <laughs> I'm being realistic. I think it makes more sense for them to do that than to sign Aaron Judge. By all means, please sign Aaron Judge and even give. Giancarlo Rays. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're good. We're we're back, folks. Yeah, we do reserve the right to to shit on the Yankees, though. Um, I we we really don't have much leverage, though, in a season like this. I, I will admit, but um, anyway, and Oakland is the best team in the American League right now. Let's not forget that. Um, all right. Yeah. So where were we? I'm I'm gonna go with um, the kind of obvious uh, pick. I I can't not pick this guy, Rafael Devers. Six for nine on the series. Had back to back three hit uh, games. Uh, a home run today. Three runs batted in, and starting to look a little bit better. Now I'm not gonna say okay, the slump is officially over. But if he's a good guy you know, with a lot of potential that's going to continue to trend upward. He does need to at least remind us of it, you know, of this from time to time on his way to, to finally going on that epic tear. And he, he oh. showed it in this series. Yeah. And you know, you know what else too? He showed that his best hitting and his best at bats are when he goes the opposite way and hits balls hard, the opposite way. That's when, you know, Devers is truly sort of back into form a little bit. Like you said, he's not completely back, but you can tell the signs are there. It's there when he's hitting balls the other way, 420. Exactly. Yeah, that home run today, I think it left his, left his bat at 111 miles an hour. Hour. That thing was an absolute rocket. And, I mean, just props to him. He entered the series hitting 183, which is just terrible. And now he's sitting at uh, 231, which is just a you know, 50-point difference is pretty remarkable, even though it's still relatively early in this year. But uh, just having him regain his confidence is huge, even if it doesn't result in wins. Um, just any progress from him and more development is great. Agreed. And this is kind of a funny thing to say, you know, but if he comes out of the year and it's not so stellar, maybe that saves us a little bit of money if we try to uh, extend him out 
this summer with a seven or eight year deal, assuming one or two of those years are option years. You know, it, oh, you have to do it. Yeah, you absolutely have to do it. You got to play off like, hey, you didn't do great. We don't know what the financial situation is going to be going into you know next year, the year after that, if we have a strike, and just see whatever you can do to getting any leverage for a guy that clearly is going to be looking at a contract starting in the twos. So you can you got to see what number you can knock that down to. Yeah, I'd love to see him sign a similar deal to Bogarts with you know like maybe a a seven year. $20 million a year deal, that would be 140 And then tack two $30 million option years on the end of that. So that brings it potentially right up to about 200 and just kind of see if he takes it. And if he does, great. You know, we'll have him. And I'm still assuming Bogarts is not going to be uh, traded. I think Ken Rosenthal, I forgot to check up on it, but apparently he insinuated yeah. today that it could happen. But but yeah, it was seen they owed it to him to at least shop him around, which was kind of an interesting take of going the you owe it to him route, not you owe it to yourselves to see what you can get. Well, that, that part kind of surprised me because, I mean, yeah, you, you take the call, but I don't think you're taking the call on behalf of him. It's not like he's been around for like 15 years or he's a Ray Bork situation here or something. You know, he's already won two rings. So, but yeah, he, he definitely threw that uh, threw that out there today. And I, I mean, even if we do owe it to him, I, I think he would kindly pass. I mean, he just seems to like Boston so much, like we said. Um, so well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I don't think anything's gonna gonna shock us too much with a guy like Heim Bloom, who's probably never gonna be emotionally attached to anybody. You know, no, within the which is good. That's the way it should be in professional sports. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what got us into this crap in the first place. It's like, ah, Evaldi, thank you so much. Here's way too much money. Ah, Chris Sale, oh, yeah, thanks, man. Here's way too much money again. Yeah, so uh, give me unemotionless, stone-cold, like, killer. That's all I want. Yeah, that's that would be ideal. And I, I think the best front offices are that way, so... Yeah, all right. So uh, let's see. Some honorable mentions for the series. Uh, speaking of Xander Bogarts, was uh, two for six on the series with two RBIs in the uh, first of the two games. So nice to see there. Uh, Mitch Moreland. I think Moreland definitely has to be one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just about to mention him. Four for six uh, with nice. multiple hit games both times. Um, walked three times in the series as well. That shouldn't be remiss, and drove in a couple um, in in the first game as well. So not not bad there. Um, I will say Godley was pleasantly kind of a surprise after giving up. I think it was I don't know was it eight runs? I can't remember what his last performance was, but went four went four innings. I, I, I stopped after five. Yeah, yeah. He he pitched four innings, kind of labored through them, got the pitch count up pretty high, but kept us pretty competitive. And uh, and then today, Kyle Hart, after getting absolutely destroyed in his previous start, went three and two thirds, only giving up two hits and two earned runs, struck out five. So you know, nice. To it could have been so much worse too. That first inning, I was like, oh my. God. God, here we go again. Especially when you had that lazy tag by Vasquez. I thought it was like 
you know, Grand Slam City coming up with DD or something, but didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Another guy I uh, I seem to have an affinity for is uh, Austin Bryce, and he's he's been hot and cold, but he he did record four outs today without giving up a hit or a walk, struck out two. He's a guy I hope they don't deal because. You're not going to get much for him anyway, and if he does turn into be a Josh Taylor type guy or um, even a Brandon Workman type guy, we have no idea what his ceiling is. And you know, you might need a guy like him next season. So, you know, where the haul isn't going to be huge, I just rather keep the guy. Any thoughts yeah, on Bryce? Yeah, he's a formidable inning eater. You can't get rid of him for the little amount you're going to get. Yeah, you're going to get a box of baseballs and maybe a pack of uh, double bubble for him. That's about all. <laughs> and that delivery is, is kind of sneaky good because pitchers can't get a read on what's coming. So I think that's kind of what's been behind some of his, his success. But getting over to the duds of the series, Al, who do you have? I'm going to keep mine short and sweet and to the point. Josh Taylor was an absolute dud the other day in his two-thirds innings of work, giving up three earned runs, had a strikeout, but even so, if you don't even complete the inning, you're giving up three runs, you're doing something wrong. So, yeah, Josh Taylor, not great. Dud. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't pretty the other day. I think he is still trying to work things out, um, but, th- yeah, that wasn't that wasn't good. <laughs> I'll just say it. Normally, I'd say this in, in in the dishonorable mentions, but when Taylor comes out of the game, Hembry, Brewer, and Walden combined gave up eight runs trying to get that third out. Eight runs given up to just try to get one out and get the hell out of that inning. It was almost a thirty-minute debacle just getting that third out. I just crazy and you know Henry you know gave up four of those and uh, I think uh, Brewer gave up what three and and Walden won something like that and it was just ugly and I I thought the streak was potentially gonna end last night but you know it just we just unraveled so bad in the bottom of the sixth inning and um, you know if Taylor just could have got that one out it would have been a much different outcome and then Brazier of all people is the you know last reliever to kind of finish out the game gives up one hit and gets all three outs. I would expect yeah, the more you shit on him, the better he gets. So keep doing it. <laughs> I used to love Ryan Brazier too. That's the saddest part of all. I used to love Brazier. Yeah, well, he you know I swear to God his fastball is getting stronger the last couple of uh, outings. So maybe he's turned something around. I mean, it couldn't get much worse. I mean, yeah, my right. God. <laughs> He, but he, he was sitting like mid like ninety six, so I and I think he was only at ninety four earlier this year. So who knows? He, he is fragile though emotionally on the mound because a couple of appearances ago when he gave up that balk basically because Moreland wasn't even on the bag, and the reason why Moreland wasn't on the bag because it was a three <laughs> and two count with two outs. So it's so bad. And, and the, but that's all it took, and then he just completely unraveled, gave up like a two run shot, and then he might have given up a solo after that. It was just, it was just so bad. So I just, I'm he's in the, in the look Moreland gave him. He was like, dude, what, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> 
<laughs> he was like, oh my god, that's our season in a nutshell. It, it was almost like Henry Rowan Gardner in Rookie of the Year throwing the ball into the outfield stand. Well, not even the outfield stands, but over the outfield fence. You know, when the inning wasn't even over, it was it was that bad. But I just, I don't know. I'm not a Brazier guy, but he did kind of endear himself to Red Sox fans in the postseason against the Yankees when he told Gary Sanchez to get the bleep back in the box. And I think that's why some people still uh, have an affinity for him. But it hasn't been very good for him uh, since then. That was kind of his peak. But uh, be that as it may. Uh, Andrew, you're uh, dud, and from what I understand, you're going to go outside the box for this one, so um, by all means. Yeah, so this is a guy that has routinely had great seasons, you know, one after another after another. Um, He's got some hardware to him, to his name, you know, but the last seven days, he is only hitting 100. He's five for 20. Last 14 games, 173. In the last 28 days, he's hitting 168. And, you know, normally you think, hey, is something, is he injured? No, it's Jose Altuve. He doesn't have his buzzer anymore. I don't understand how this guy can go in and hit this terribly when all the pressure's on him and just to perform like he is with his negative 0.6 war oh my god it's amazing you know you're in stadiums where you can hear a pin drop let alone a trash can being banged so he's exposed it's not a shitty tattoo it's a wire i'm sorry his wife totally lied for him i mean good for her she's got his back but yeah he is just ass this season i there's no reason for him to be doing as bad as he is he is just terrible and for a he had everything to prove this season and he's doing the complete opposite of what he should be doing i love it yeah it's great especially on twitter too the astros shame tour where they just criticize everything altuve does and everything (laughs) the astros do it's just the icing on top of the cake for just the ultimate revenge on the Houston Astros. It's fantastic. I love it. This dude has a lower war than Michael Chavis right now. Isn't that so hard to do? He's got a 233 OBP. He's slugging 284. It's pathetic. He can't do this. And you know what else he can't do is go into next season with fans in a loud stadium and hit 330. You know how sketchy that would look? This guy has four more years at $29 million, uh, each season left on his deal. That I, If I'm the Astros, I'm almost like, shit, do we just admit to cheating and then be like, you know what? He signed his contract in bad faith. Can we void this? They might just take that L. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. (laughs) Disclaimer, I am kind of, despite the fact I think the Astros got off light and should have got more and and deserve all the retaliation they're getting this year, including from Joe Kelly, uh, I just, I've never been a big Altuve was wearing a buzzer guy. And... I'll go through some of the reasons right now. He he didn't want the trash can to be banged. And if you listen to a lot of it, none of that happens while he's up at the plate. There was a couple of times where whoever was banging it did inadvertently 
bang the trash can while he was up. But for the most part, he and Josh Reddick were the only two players who didn't want that. And this is in 2017, by the way. You know, maybe the buzzers came in, in 2018, you know, if they did. Um, but there's just there's just too much there. Like, why did they lose every single home game in the in the 2019 World Series? What were the buzzers? Like, nobody can really nobody has shown anything as to what these things actually were. How were they being used? And and how how was the whole buzzers thing facilitated? And why didn't why didn't Mike Fire say anything about buzzers if they were used in in 2017? Because I, I think he would have. I, there's just so much there that, I, and I mean, if they did, I'd gladly admit I'm wrong. I, I I really would, you know. And I wouldn't be completely shocked, but th- just at face value, it's it's tough for me to to get there. And in game two of the ALCS, they were basically shut out uh, by the Yankees. I forget who was even pitching that game. It might have been Tanaka. Um, but it's just, it's really, it's really tough for me to get there on the buzzers. Well, so I will say this. I thought the buzzer thing was a little far-fetched at first, but so maybe it wasn't a buzzer. But there has to be something. You don't go from taking a roll this Chapman deep on a 101-mile-an-hour pitch to going and batting, like, 150 the next season. Like, it, it, that just doesn't make sense. He's not – it's not like he's facing a murderer's row of pitching either, you know, in the, in, in the division he's in. So I, it doesn't make sense to me. How does this guy just – all of a sudden just turn into a puddle of poop. He's so bad. He's he's like, you know, 170 points below his career average. I, I, don't, I don't understand. There's got to be a further explanation for why he's, uh, why he's not performing. Because he stinks this year. You don't think there's anything else? You think he's just that bad? You just forgot how to hit? Yeah, yeah I do. That's uh, the sad part. That's not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not as fun, but it's the reality of the situation. Probably, I mean, it's it's a crazy year in 2020 for everything. I mean, the Boston Red Sox are seven and eighteen. Did we think they'd be seven and eighteen after 25 games? And don't the, either of you two dare say yes, because there's no way you thought they'd be this bad. There's no way. I mean, it, it, you can explain it a little bit better than yeah, else. Yeah, but you can't. Out. You can't tell me. You can't sit there and tell me you thought they were going to go seven and eighteen through twenty-five games. Well, there's, I'm just saying there's more of an explanation. More is more reasonable to look at the Red Sox. You know the way they're constructed right now and be like, "All right, yeah, that makes sense. They suck." But like, you look at Altuve. He's you know he's not walking up. <laughs> like with a tiny Tim limp to the plate, you know, isn't it as bad as a cane? But he just—he doesn't Touché. make sense. <laughs> Touché. Touché. That was a good one. I like that one. Uh, I don't think the Astros are really handling themselves very well. I mean, you had the issue with the, you know, the pitching coach mouthing off to Loriano and mm. a guy who. I forget the pitcher's name already. He was a reliever, and I guess Loriano came up in the Astros organization, and and the the pitcher that plunked him was with the A's, and they were basically traded for each other. 
And Loriano liked a tweet from a writer that mentioned that and then and then gets punked for it. And I just think that the Astros just need to wear this. They need to do a better job of wearing it because it's going to be ugly no matter what. And they were dealt almost a miracle by not having fans in the stands. Just matter. Imagine how much worse it would be if there were fans in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be be a never ending sea of bluebirds just coming out stuff thrown at them. It would have been awful. And they yeah. they'll get it next year pretty good I think but Springer won't I necessarily hope. be there and and yeah but I just wanted to weigh in I mean if the buzzer theory comes back or whatever then I'll gladly eat my words but um, and I, Andrew I'll even say this for you though there's going to be plenty of people in the audience that probably do agree with you so. I hope um. so. <laughs> let's talk this into fruition and like let, let's get another investigation opened. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, my dud for the series is Zue Lin. And before I get into his series, in the 0.0001% Brock Holt listens to this episode, I sincerely apologize for saying that Zue Lin could at least be adequately as defensively good as you were because he was really bad today and he was over eight in the series uh, at the plate and just absolutely terrible. And like I said, in the last series against Peraza, if you're going to be that bad offensively, you better have a pretty good glove. And today he kind of airmailed, Two balls over to first base. Should have been basically routine plays. Botched it. And we won the game anyway. But would have been that much more annoying if we didn't. And if he wants to stay on this team, I mean, he's got to he's gotta make some improvements. Yeah. Yeah. He's not... Uh... He's not going to win any jobs anytime soon by making, you know, so many errors in a game. Personally, I didn't see the errors today because I was out and about doing things just like you were, Terry. But Stuway Lin's usually a guy that you could at least depend on to be adequate. And when you're not adequate in a game like this, you're going to get the dug call more often than not. So I agree with you on that. The only thing I have to say is Zue Lin has a higher war than Jose Altuve. <laughs> oh... That's so bad for Altuve. <laughs> yeah. Some dishonorable mentions. I was kind of on the Chavis apologist van wagon. I might be exiting on the next stop. He was 0 for 5 in the one game he did play. All five at-bats oh, were strikeouts. Over. I have a whole city built <laughs> in the Chavis' terrible, uh, terribleville. No, he, he wasn't even close to making contact on any of those pitches last night he got the platinum sobrero i think it's only happened three other times in red sox history andrew does that city come with free food by any chance absolutely yeah yeah i think it's sponsored by arby's every time uh javis strikes out more than four times in a game they send a ton of food over so we're just fat and happy you know what i'll I'll take that that's that's, (laughs) that sounds like a good life to me 
He he was 283 coming into the series, which was sneaky high. I, I wouldn't have expected that. I would have probably thought 220, 230. So I was like, wow, geez, he's hitting 283. And then he struck out all five times. And it wasn't even the fact that his average was up. I was just, in previous games leading up to that one, I was just impressed with the plate discipline. I You know, they throw him a high fastball, and I'm like, wow, he laid off of it. He never lays off of those. And, and balls in the dirt and laying off of those, I'm like, geez, wow, if he can just if he can just kind of find it and, and give us this every at-bat, we're going to – we're going to be pretty good on the corners here, you know, for the foreseeable future. But turned in an absolute dud this series. And, you know, I, I hope he, he gets back to what he was showing us the last, you know, eight or ten games. Um, some other dishonorable mentions. Uh, not really that many. I, I went through already the, the bad relief appearances in the first game. Um, so I guess... I guess that's about it. Let me mention this because I forgot to mention it in the stud section. Workman looked good today, and he looked good in front of a team that might need some bullpen help, that definitely needs some bullpen help. So I don't know if that could have been a showcase for the Phillies or not. But um, be nice. And he's a guy you probably want to trade more sooner than later because – he could turn in a couple of bad starts where his command isn't good. With a guy like J.D. Martinez, you can wait till the 31st if you want to at the 11th hour and then move him. I don't think we have that luxury uh, with Workman. And also, I did mean to say this in the dishonorable mentions. He wasn't terrible in that one half game he played. He was one for two. But how does your D.H. leave the game dehydrated? His iPhone didn't tell him to, when to drink water, I guess. <laughs> or his, his Apple Watch or whatever. Yeah, that's pathetic. I mean, there's really only two ways you're dehydrated. Either you're hungover or you have a flu. So, <laughs> was yeah. He in the I dugout? don't blame him for being hungover the way the season's going, but yeah. <laughs> was he in the dugout today? I didn't see him. Huh. I, You know, I don't. No, if they didn't, I watched the whole game. I don't think they panned over to him. I could have missed it, but okay. usually they would have brought that up. Like, oh, he's looking better today. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if he was there. Okay, would have been interesting. I mean, if he was there, then we're not, you know, talking about COVID rumors. But I guess uh, they don't have an off day this week, so I, you know, we'll know within the next day or two if anything like that is the case. Um, okay. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna back off the trade talk this episode because we kind of hit it hard for the last couple of episodes. So we'll we'll wait at least until the next show or the show after and let some um, you know momentum kind of percolate uh, you know before we kind of weigh in on what might be happening. But one topic that is kind of relevant right now, and we've kind of glanced on it um, in previous shows, but not at great lengths. Um, is the manager situation for 2021. I put a poll out today, and it's got uh, 248 votes, so a a semi-healthy sample size. I asked uh, my Twitter people uh, who the manager would be next year, and uh, Ron Renneke was one option. Alex Cora was another, or I said someone else. Renicky is coming in at a 
dismal four percent. Now, I don't think Renicky <laughs> I don't think Renicky will be back myself, but I, I think the chances are better than four percent. Happy birthday, Ron. Fifty-four <laughs> percent of uh, my followers. This is kind of there are some MLB wide people that do follow me, so it's not entirely Red Sox, but fifty-four percent of everyone who did answer do think that Alex Cora will return as the Red Sox manager. Forty-one percent believe it'll be someone else. Here are, uh, and I asked everybody to list off who a candidate outside the organization could be, um, or it could be from within, but anyone not named Cora or Renicky. And um, a good close follower of the show, Scott George, said uh, someone from the Rays organization. Uh, Dorian Williams thinks uh, it could be Cora, but he's hoping for Veritech. A couple other Veritech replies on there. Someone else said Kyle Snyder. I don't know if they're being sarcastic or if this guy is. I hope they are. That sounds like a Steve Scott answer. <laughs> okay. It wasn't. It was from a guy named Brandon Brewer, but apparently he is uh, liked by Brandon. Uh, my good buddy Justin Gabbard says it could be either Cardi B or Caitlyn Jenner. Um ah! He's, he's a little a little out there, but so am I. And uh, so those are some some of the other names mentioned. Uh, I'm in the other names category myself, but uh, Andrew, wh- what do you think? I I wanted to be Cora. The young players love him. The people just gravitate towards him, and I think ownership knows that. I think for the most part, he was cleared by all the investigations. Hell, the Red Sox were cleared, yet they still got hosed with that second-round penalty, which was BS, um, and we're losing a year of our manager. But I'm really hoping it's Cora. Devers loves Cora. I think Verdugo would love Cora. And I think if the Red Sox make some unpopular trades, they do have an easy way to get get back on the good side of fans with a quick hire there. I like it. Uh, as far as from my take on it, I'm similar to Andrew that I want Alex quarterback, but I think it's going to be somebody else. But put it this way, if the Red Sox came out right after the season was over and said Alex Cora is coming back, I'd be ecstatic. But seeing a guy like Jason Veritek in there might not be the worst thing in the world, especially after this season. So put me in the hoping for Cora, expecting someone else train. But if, so let's say they trade away some picks this year. They decide, or not picks, uh, some players, some talent, and then they don't get all their guys in free agency. So the pitching is still a question mark. Does Veritek want to handle an uh, absolute mess uh, in his first year when you have pissed off fans? And I, I just don't know if he wants to do that. I don't know if he'd want to burn all the goodwill he has with, you know, a 60-win team, uh, God forbid. But then if he makes it good, then he looks like a hero in Boston already more than he already is. Yeah, that's true. I just I wouldn't want to see him get tarred and feathers, <laughs> feathered out there by the fans if you're waiting for Chris Sale to come back and you're strutting out Martin Perez every taste again as your number two starter. I think the Red Sox missed a, a good opportunity to simply make him the bench coach this year. And we got some guy named 
Jerry Naren, who I think was a part of the 04 team or one of the previous World Series teams in some capacity. Um, I said Phil Nevin on a couple of shows ago. That was my worst show of all time, like two or three shows ago. I'm listing off the Yankees third base coach for um, a candidate to to be the bench coach or whatever. Uh, but anyway. The only reason I'd want that is the Yankees fans would be so pissed off. They, <laughs> they love Nevin. They do. Apparently he's a hothead, and he and Cora had a brouhaha during the World Series season, I guess. I can't remember what the issue was, but, um, but yeah, some words exchanged there. And I just think Veritech as a bench coach just makes sense if you want to make him the manager. And I'm not totally against Veritech being being the guy, but um, I, I just want him to succeed, you know, as best as possible and, and have the best path best path as possible. Uh, getting back to Cora, I would be a little disappointed in that because any any minor infraction we are involved in, even if it's something completely stupid, it's going to get blown up into a felony and a big scandal. And I just, I don't want to go that route again. So, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on that? But I've but been here- a Patriots fan long enough. I, I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> I, I, like, I know half these things are just the media peddling that crap anyway. So I, 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 it, it would just rinse right over me. I wouldn't even care. But but here's the thing, too. John Farrell, when the Red Sox were under John Farrell, you had the whole Apple Watch gate thing. So it's like if Cora really came back and there was a minor infraction. Now, granted, I know that there's different circumstances. We know what happened with the Astros now. I get all that. But would it really be that much better if it happened under a guy like Jason Veritek or Phil Nevin or whoever else? I mean, wouldn't it just be seen in the same light? Yeah, they would just be like, oh, it's the Sox. Exactly. They, that's what they'd be like. It's the Red Sox. They're known for cheating. There, this isn't anything unexpected. So that's why I don't think the manager necessarily is going to change anything with that. I yeah. agree. And I think they've changed enough stuff league-wide um, to pretty much avoid having this be an issue again. And I don't think any, any team wants to be the next team that gets caught because, I mean, I think Rob Manfred realizes, well, he probably doesn't realize it because he's an idiot, but that he let the Astros off with barely even a slap on the wrist. So the next team that gets caught is getting screwed. I just feel like he's pretty radioactive, and and I very strongly get the impression that Hein Bloom is going to want his own guy anyway. If Cora comes back, that's an ownership-driven decision. You know, much like I hate to make this comparison because it's not even fair, but Ben Sherrington didn't want Bobby Valentine. You know, that was pushed on him, and it was one oh. one of the worst seasons ever. We would have had Dale Swain by the sounds of it, but um, but so I mean. Is Bloom going to be okay with Cora coming back? I mean, I don't I don't think he'd mind, honestly, because Cora's pretty forward-thinking when it comes to, like, advanced metrics and everything. So I think if it was a, some sort of dinosaur that's been around Boston forever, then Bloom probably wouldn't want him. But I don't know. I think Cora's modern enough for him that, you know, he's, player, he's a player's coach. 
uh, and will listen to upstairs, you know, if they're giving them some metrics to work on or work with. Yeah, if you told me it was Alex Cora or somebody that was more old school, like I'm just throwing an example out there, like a Dusty Baker or Ron Gardenhire or something, I would probably still take Cora because he was beloved in Boston. He had the respect of the clubhouse. He did have the respect of the organization. Yeah, stuff went down, but you know, I think it would be a stepping stone in the right direction of trying to build a winning culture once again in Boston. I don't want anyone over the age of 50. I don't know. I, I want someone that's like willing to go into the next gen kind of thing, uh, phase. So I want it to be someone young and fresh, um, some sort of some player that just retired that was always a great locker room guy. And, you know, one of those guys are like, you know, at second he retires, he's going to get a coaching gig. So give me someone like that or someone that's just pure advanced metrics. I think. I think it's going to be the Rays bench coach, Matt Quatrero. He was a name connected to the Red Sox in at some point in February, but I think the Rays, if I'm not mistaken, declined their opportunity to speak with him, citing the fact that it's too close to the season because this was before the COVID, so they were thinking at the time they're you know, three, four weeks away from opening day, and you know, so they weren't allowed to pursue him. And then there was uh, another name uh, mentioned from the Diamondbacks organization, but I'm not sure why he didn't pan out. And then they ultimately sided with Renicky. But I think it's going to be Quatrero. I, I think he's a young guy. Admittedly, I, I haven't uh, read up too much on him, but that is an organization that you're, you know, everybody respects and they get the most out of what they have. So um, I don't think that would be a bad scenario if they went that route. I don't think it's going to be a Dusty Baker, Buck Walter, Mike Sosha type guy. I think if that's not what you want, then I, I think you're, we're safe there. I wouldn't be opposed to like an older guy like uh, Madden's in his 60s. I, I And Madden wouldn't be the guy, but someone that's a little more... Um, you know, has a, a solid past. I, I don't think I'd want Bruce Bochy at this point, despite his success, but, uh, you know, so I can't really think of an example there. I would have loved Joe Girardi if the stars ever aligned for that. But, um, yeah. And I, you know, let me mention one thing about the Phillies here. Joe Girardi is a hothead. We've seen it. And he gets on players, and I, I like that type of a manager. I think Cora was like that with the younger guys. I'm not so sure he was like that with David Price because I think Price needs to be a guy where the manager does get on him. And I, I think Price was allowed to skate. I think Chris Sale kind of skated a little bit. But um, but you, yeah, you can't tell those guys what to do at that point. It's hard. It's hard, but they, they were just pitching so bad. And, yeah. and you had – Price, I mean, whoever thought we'd have a second round of the Eckersley drama? And I guess there was a quote that Cora said to Price, look, that's not a good idea, and it happened anyway. But, you know, so be it. You know, I just, I like a manager. I'm, I'm pretty sure Joe Girardi would have stood up to him. But their bench coach, not bench coach, yeah, maybe it is the bench coach or the pitching coach. I can't remember. Brian Price, who was the Reds manager, just an absolute hothead, had a couple of meltdowns with the media 
um, before he was fired from there, and David Bell came in. So I'm like, wow, what a what a bad cop bad cop combination that is, you know, for a for a clubhouse. Normally, you have a a good guy, nice guy. Like I think Tori Lavello and John Farrell, that's the perfect good cop bad cop situation. Everybody loves Lavello, you know, the players did, and no one apparently liked Farrell. So um, can I throw one option? Yeah, sure. And all right, this is just pure entertainment here. If the Red Sox trade away talent and don't manage to sign anyone in free agency, give me Ozzy Guillen for one year. <laughs> oh, awesome! That would be the ratings would go up, and I think at that point that's all they care about. Give me Ozzy. Strong pass. <laughs> Strong pass. It, Come on, we can even give him his own Ness in reality TV show. It'd be amazing. That's the last thing we need. It's another sideshow in this city. Right? He's like the, isn't he basically the Hispanic Bobby Valentine, basically? Just completely off yeah. the cuff. Yeah. He's a rap. Yeah. Are you guys surprised he hasn't come back? I mean, he made some controversial comments, but, you know, yeah. And by the way, did you guys see what the, the Reds broadcaster said tonight? <laughs> um, If you... I had to mute it a minute ago because I had to listen to it. He literally was in the middle of his apology and on air while calling a home run. It's so bad. Yeah. You have to do it. He's literally giving an apology as his career fades away and he starts calling a home run in the middle of it. It's Oh, yeah. I just saw that, too. Great. Was... <laughs> yeah. For, I, won't, I won't say the exact word, but his name's Tom Brennanman, and he's the Cincinnati Reds announcer, and he was caught on a hot mic saying, talking about a city, I, I'm not even going to speculate there because that could be offensive, but um, he said it was one of the bleep, which is a, a three-letter you know, gay slur. I'm sure everyone can figure it out. It was one of the bleep capitals of the world. And I don't know if somebody else was was doing an inning, kind of like Joe Castiglione and whoever his partner is. You know, maybe they were rotating. I don't watch a lot of Reds games. But, but the mic was hot and Brennanman was caught saying it. And... um and yeah, and, and then you guys, I didn't hear the apology you mentioned, but um, he might not be working that job anymore. I don't know. With the current social climate, you got to figure he's. Oh, no, he, he's going to be updating the LinkedIn tonight when he gets home. <laughs> Former oh, yeah. Reds broadcaster, yeah. Yep, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just surprised that people are that off the cuff you know, given the last few years, um, you know, wasn't there a, a, a basketball guy in LA? He, you know, he was basically, he, he was basically saying all lives matter and, and, you know, got real intense about it. And then he resigned a, a day or two later. So, um, yeah, I think it's the safest to, to, you know, just call the game at that point and yeah. not let it, personal feelings come into uh 
come into play because it's a really great way to hit the unemployment line. His was actually a tweet. It wasn't anything he said on uh, the air, but but still, still pretty stupid to do. Probably even dumber because at that point it's calculated. You know, it takes you thirty seconds to type out the tweet and and still during that 30 seconds not no light bulb goes off saying you know this might not be a good idea and uh, yeah, you still got to hit send. <laughs> yeah you need did so doesn't go automatically it's yeah. Timer. yeah so yeah so that was hilarious but yeah so um i don't know any any thoughts on the the manager situation before we get over to the um the baltimore no, I think we covered it pretty well there. Okay. Yeah, I think we're good. Let's let's get into Baltimore. So two two pro Coras and me. I won't go like on an absolute tangent, you know, like Will Farrell in his mother's basement type, but I'd be I would be a little disappointed. I'm just gonna be on the record saying that. Um all right, so Red Sox pitching matchups, admittedly, I'm not too prepared again. I'm pulling it up right now and oh we do have some matchups on there. Uh, three actually so there's only one tbd so uh getting into game one i mean this is a series if we're if we're not purposely tanking for a draft pick and i'm not sure that we're not but this should be a series we sweep we got nathan avoldi going in the first game coming off a very bad uh yankees appearance outing um and yeah, that era got high quick huh yeah nine, just, nine, three. just under six and I'm going to have a hot take on Twitter tomorrow. I won't do it on the show today about about Yankee Stadium and how stupid it is to play there. But, um, and why they don't have a humidor, but we do. Exactly. Like, that's not baseball. And I'm, I'll immediately concede the fact that they would probably be a top one, two, or three team in home runs anyway. But yeah. it's just stupid baseball. And I hope they, they don't need the help. Yeah, I hope they figure it out before the postseason because tons of conspiracy theories will emerge. And there's still some unanswered questions about uh, 2017 or 18 with their outfield cameras, which still that document has yet to be unsealed. But but still, I just – it's so stupid. I just kind of felt bad for Evaldi. You know, you can't – it's impossible for a pitcher to pitch to contact – in that stadium. It's just completely ridiculous. But getting back to this series, um, Asher, I, I'm not even going to say it. starts with a W. Orioles fans will know who I'm talking about. Um, you know, a decent bounce back opportunity for Evaldi in game one, I guess. Can we, can we agree with that? I'd hope so. Same. Yeah, and um, this – um, Baltimore pitcher did record his first win, um, holding the Nationals over th- just three runs. So I don't know. We made Jay Happ look good, so who knows? We could make him look good. But uh, hoping for a good Evaldi start. That way we can get a nice uh, trade package possibly from him. TBD versus John Means. This is probably going to be the worst game of the series for us because Means is their de facto ace although he does have a 10.57 era so maybe i should walk that back immediately but still with this bullpen i'm not you know we can't be too optimistic about a stellar uh game two in the series on friday yeah i don't even know 
who they're going to be bringing up. Because uh, I know Renicky this morning said he wants to have an actual starter and he doesn't want to use an opener. I don't know how feasible that is because in order to have an actual starter, you actually have to have a starter. And they don't seem to have any of those right now. So, yeah, I'm not, I don't think they're going to bring up like a Hauk or a Mata for this. But, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe your boy Matt Hall of Fame will get the start. Oh, God. <laughs> Heck yeah. Game three is probably could be a fun matchup, really. Martin Perez versus Alex Cobb, who is having a very good bounce back here. He'll certainly be um, a, a trade candidate himself uh, from Baltimore as we approach the deadline. And Perez, I mean, he did give up three runs in his last start over three or four innings, and then that lengthy rain delay ended his uh, start. So that was against the Yankees, so it probably wasn't going to get any better at Yankee Stadium. But uh, any thoughts on this game? Um, a couple guys have his number on the Orioles, but other than that, it's, uh, it looks like it's just Hanser Alberto and who was the other one? Uh, Renato Nunez, who seems to kill the Sox. Um, but other than that, he's got some pretty good numbers against their, against their lineup. This should be a win. No doubt about it. I agree. You know, if you lose that game, you know, we probably took it in the teeth the other two anyway. Uh, Zach Godley, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde uh, lately, um, coming off of a good outing. Um, he'll be facing Wade LeBlanc, who's just kind of a scrap heap guy that Baltimore acquired out of uh, Seattle. Seattle might have released him. I, I don't know exactly how uh, he ended up in Baltimore, but that's where he came from. 7.89 ERA. He is definitely having a terrible year, so... Could be all about whichever team has the momentum uh, coming into this game. Any thoughts? Flip a coin, and that's what godly you're going to get that day. Uh, Don't even bother predicting Zach Godley outing at this point. I think he's going to do well against Baltimore. i got a weird feeling he's going to pitch well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got no velocity whatsoever, really, but he's – you know, got that tricky off-speed stuff, and you hear him grunting, and he seems. I'm waiting for. I, I I'm just waiting for him to a somersault off the mound one of these times. <laughs> he almost falls over every single time, and it's like, dude, you're hitting like 89 on the gun. Like, what the hell? Yeah, that's like that Forrest Whitley guy out of uh, the Astros throwing 108 with a running start just because he can. You know. <laughs> Same type of effort level, but not much on his uh, fastball. And you just wonder, like, an injury is going to happen. And I'm sure he's desperately just trying to keep his MLB career alive, you know, and yeah, be right? and be viable. He's going to pull his damn ankle, though. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of uh, made uh, – I kind of jumped the gun. We did want to talk about – some controversy if you even want to call it that out of san diego we can just spend a few minutes on that uh fernando tatis jr late in the game was up at the plate with the bases loaded there might have been two outs and uh proceeded to hit a grand slam when the game was well out of hand Uh, the padres were going to win anyway i think the score was 10 to 3 at the time and the Let's see, the Texas Rangers manager, Chris Woodward, kind of started jawing at him 
uh, you know, from the dugout saying, you know, that wasn't necessary. That's against baseball's unwritten rules. These weren't the words he were saying, but that's what he was insinuating. And then Tatis's own manager, Jace Tingler, had similar comments, said, yeah, that, that was uncalled for after the game. So not dude yeah but i'm more mad at tingler are you kidding me you're absolute stud uh player this absolute wonderkin and you're gonna be like yeah you know he missed a take sign it's like dude shut up (laughs) what are you talking about you should be like yeah you know what he (laughs) gotta make a better pitch or else he's gonna punish you like he's punished the rest of the league this year you gotta have your players back at this point like what are you doing man Ow. Yeah, that's a that that's a situation where the manager needs to have his players back, and who knows that could be a dividing line down down the line between Tatis and Tingler. I mean, you never know; it's a small incident, but it could lead to bigger repercussions. So, I'd be, be on the look. Yeah, exactly. Be on the lookout for that in the future. And who is this? Guy? I I had no idea that Jace Tingler was their manager. I swear to God, I had never heard of him in my life before yesterday. Well, he he won the job over Ron Washington. They were the final two candidates, and there was a lot of momentum from the media, you know, to hopefully get Washington back into a managing role, which I would love. I guess a lot of people hate him, but you know, he did get to back to back World Series with with Texas. But but yeah, and then Tangler got the job, and so I wasn't familiar with him either, you know. But he's been a part of previous organizations in a coaching and analytics role. So um, clearly they like. So it looks him. like he ought to start with the Rangers. I wonder if that was had anything to do with his kind of being a wimping out on this one, if he kind of felt like he owed the Rangers that respect for, you know, giving him a, giving him his start. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, and, you know, they talk about an unwritten rule. I wasn't really, I've never really seen that come up. I do know that teams will frown on base stealing if if a team was up 10 to 7. They're out there stealing bases. And I can be like, okay, fine. You know, maybe maybe that's kind of <laughs> kicking them while they're down and not really necessary. Which, but Did you see what Tetis did the next, that next night? Oh, I I did. Yeah, his he changed his walk up song to "Cry Me a River." Oh no, no, he uh, oh. he stole he third. Six and he stole third. Oh. He had him dead to right. The the uh, actually the pitcher stepped off and threw over there. Had him about, about like ten feet, but he made this absolutely insane dive and beat beat it in there. Wow! But, I, listen, I, I, I'm I'm gonna say this. Okay, I'm gonna say this from a coaching perspective, real quick. So for anybody that doesn't know. I coach travel baseball in Massachusetts for younger kids, youth level. We were playing a game where, keep in mind, these are 11-year-old kids. I coached two age groups, 11s and 17s. This is These are 11-year-old kids we're talking about. The other team was up on us by about 12. They had first and third, and the manager straight steals second base. Straight steal. Not even a pass ball. Straight steal. Yeah. Yeah. And I say to the manager, what are you doing? His response, first and third, coach. That situation, you look like an idiot. And yeah. that's not on the kid that's on the manager. But wh- so why am I saying this? This is a major league baseball player that's competing for a potential contract down the line. And a grand slam with four RBIs and an extra home run on paper is going to look a lot better than a walk. 
if you're playing high school, any level above high school, and you get 3-0, if you get a pitch right down the middle, swing away, hack away. We teach them at the younger levels to take because usually kids overswing and they'll pop everything straight up in the infield. In this situation, who cares? Let them swing away. Yeah, I don't know who said it, but <laughs> it was a great line. They're like, so, you know, if you take on that, can you bring that to negotiations next time? Be like, well, you know, I had 29 home runs, but I would have had 30 and about four more RBIs, but <laughs> had to take them, you know? Like, no, they're getting paid to, you're all adults, make a better pitch. Yeah, I and think of the gambling part of it. You know, if if Tatis is in my DraftKings lineup and he's getting a tag sign, I'm pissed, you know? Not that gambling oh, should have yeah. any bearing, but it's still... It's still annoying, no, and it's an integrity issue. I totally to me. agree. Yeah, it's like uh, the running back when they're up by eight, where like six with a minute left, he breaks it for like seventy yards and slides down on the one. You're like, yeah, can you use that extra six points uh, this week out of you? But I guess you have good sportsmanship. No, I, go in, man. Yeah, go all the way. And then one more awkward observation. I don't know if anybody else has made it, but Jace Tingler sounds like a sex toy. I just, that was my thought. Tingler? I just, it bothers me. I would change it or something, you know, go with the mother's maiden name or something. But um, I don't know. He's probably proud of it. Clearly doesn't have a piece after his comments. Yeah. Yeah. He did sell out his own player. So, yeah. yeah, interesting. That's a kind of a dumpster fire organization in terms of uh, PR and integrity because you got a guy named AJ Preller who probably should be banned uh, from the league. Uh, you know, yep. and had had the other controversies happened before his, he probably would have. You know, because you had that that Braves executive grossly manipulating the um, the international player pool, and he got banned for life and. Um, you know, you got the Astros issues. And so um, Preller was very fortunate that his happened, you know, previously. And one of them affected. I'm still so mad we lost Anderson Espinosa to them in that deal. I can't believe they didn't demand him back. I mean, it hasn't worked out for him because of his arm issues, but yeah. that kid was a stud. Also a stupid trade to begin with, but that's a different story. Yeah, Pomeranz was, uh, you know, having a good season and, and, you know, so. Yeah, all right. So I thought we'd be remiss if we didn't throw that in there. Uh, any final thoughts? Hopefully the Sox win three out of four this weekend. That would be Let's good. keep these games under four hours. That's my personal feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Just pulling up uh, MLB trade rumors. Uh, Alex Bregman left the game with a potential leg or ankle injury, a lower body injury whatsoever. So maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's saying uncle as far as the season goes. Who knows? But uh, all right. Good show. We'll be back with you guys next week. And uh, – Hopefully, I don't know, maybe we'll get a sexy trade to talk about or something. I don't know. Yeah, we're either going to have, you know, some wins under our belt or some really hot trade rumors. Yeah. And you you and um, uh, Jason are on different shows, so that's good because I'm, I'm not a prospect guy, so I can't really break it down like you guys can. So, um, so we'll see what happens. All right, guys, have a good night. Take care.
Take care, guys. Episode 208 in the books. Fast turnaround. Red Sox break that painful, miserable losing streak that was nine games long. So good to see. And we've got a series against Baltimore that we should not get swept in. Um, God willing, I'm agnostic, so take that for what it's worth. But anyway, have a good rest of your week, and we will be back with you on Sunday night for your Monday morning commute. Take care.